You know, Sharif used to get into all kinds of shit before he found the nation. Now, I'm no Muslim, but I agree with some of the things they say regarding black people. And if Allah helps to make him a better man than Jesus can, then I'm all for it. So what you trying to say, Mr. Butler? Whatever changes you have to make, then you just do it. You got to think about your life. Being a black man in America isn't easy. The hunt is on. And you're the prey. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, survive. Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast classic music reviews presented by iv creative it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view we appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective you could be anywhere listening to anything but you're right here with us so we thank you with you today is yours truly b cox and with me i have my boy in the place to be jo once again here in the vault classic music reviews podcast guys we want to thank all the listeners out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to rock with us It's been a little bit of a bumpy spring, but we're heading into a real hot summer. Got a lot of great things coming up in the end of May into the month of June. So y'all make sure y'all still stay tuned. We got a lot of hot content coming up as the summer heats up. Want to make sure all y'all out there that y'all enjoyed your Memorial Day. And of course, make sure that you remember those who served in the military that didn't come home who this holiday is for in the first place. But we want to remind all of y'all to go to vaultclassicpod.com once again that's vaultclassicpod.com you can go there to the website check out all the past episodes check out our guest profiles you can also go to our merchandise store check out everything we have summertime is here we got tank tops we got tees we got hats we got water bottles koozies phone covers whatever you can think about we got there in the merch store all at vaultclassicpod.com also make sure you're going to our buy me a coffee page click on the coffee cup shaded in yellow on the bottom left hand corner of the page and you can get there you can send us a small monetary donation to let us know how much you appreciate us and to make sure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come once again that's vaultclassicpod.com and today ladies and gentlemen boys and girls jay and i are going to take you on a ride it is yet another bonus episode in addition of pop culture corner where we take a look at a lot of the pop culture phenomenons be it tv shows fashion movies all back in the day to show you about the culture phenomenons that happened that were too big for us to ignore what we have today is a very special one and this is a movie that i would say right behind a couple others right around that time is right up there with one of the best hood movies and also cult classics of all time in regards to black urban cinema. I'm talking about none other than 30 years ago this past week is the anniversary of Menace to Society, the film starring none other than Tyron Turner, Lorenz Tate, Jada Pinkett, Charles Dutton, MC8, Bill Duke, Clifton Powell, all amongst a couple others, including Glenn Plummer, 
Safir, rapper Safir, Samuel L. Jackson, Candy Alexander, as well as a host of others in this film. The film's directed by the Hughes brothers, Alan and Albert Hughes. The screenplay was by their partner, Tiger Williams. This was a movie that was released by New Line Cinema. The release date of May 26, 1993, with a runtime of 97 minutes, had a budget of $3.5 million and a box office of $30 million, making it a huge success. Even though it was a cult classic, it's a movie that over the 30 years is about as quotable a movie that you can think of. And with the scenes that have been remade in so many different spoofs and also that have inspired so many other movies afterwards. And it's also a movie that has a very interesting story in regards to some of the things that was happening in the background. So, Jay, Menace to Society, I hit you up about this. I want to say the other day and we talked about it and you were saying I was just getting ready to come to talk to you, actually, if we were going to do something about it. So you were reading my mind. We were sort of right there on the same wavelength when it came to talking about this movie. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, I mean, it just like dawned me like, dang, 93 was 30 years ago. And like, I was thinking I was like sixth grade, around sixth grade graduation. Mm hmm. Because my mother, she actually saw it first before I did. Mm-hmm. Kind of like her way of previewing movies before I got to see because I was like, what, 11, going on 12. But then finally saw the joint. Because, of course, I'd already seen Boys in the Hood and South Central, which I believe that was like 91 and 92. So this came out. I was like, man, whatever, whatever story can they tell? Like, whatever angle could they come at us with? Yeah. Seeing this stream, man, was like blown away. I mean, it definitely took a different turn in those two movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> and just thinking about like the impact of all that. Like, one thing not to get too far ahead, but like, I was like, every hood after that had like somebody went by O Dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, man. Every hood had a hold. Had a hold. O Dog. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Every hood had an O Dog, and everybody had sort of an archetype of that character within this movie after that, and so. Those characters kind of existed in the ones beforehand. Like I always sort of parallel this movie a little bit with Juice and how there was always the parallels in the characters who were there, who was trying to do what, who was trying to be what. And it's really a tale that you can put in any movie in black cinema, really in the 1990s. This movie, really, if I could describe it, I would say in a couple of words, I have to say it was raw. It had a little bit of a rawness to it that boys in the hood really didn't have. You know, it also had really a sense of violence in it that Boys in the Hood didn't have as well either. I mean, this was a movie where people were getting off regularly and it was like, wow, like really something that was almost like if you really want to see what life in the hood is like, this is really what life in the hood is like. What also was interesting was the tug between the main characters, in particular with Kane and how he wanted to do right, but kept getting pulled back into his environment and the people he was around. And despite all the different voices around him, and we'll get into the story in just a second, his grandparents, Ronnie, Purnell, O-Dog, Awax, and then his own personal ways and wanting his gain to be able to get that status symbol, I guess, where he was, but then also being reminded of the consequences in a at a daily basis. I think I remember hearing somebody talk about this movie recently and said, yo, Kane had warning signs in front of him constantly. And he ran past every single one of those red lights until somebody hit his ass, you know? And I was like, that's true. You know, it definitely is true, but we'll get a little bit into the movie directed by the Hughes brothers. Famously enough, there's an incident actually that we'll talk about that happened in regards to mm -hmm. a couple of a lot of our favorite rappers that were supposed to be a part of this movie. Just to go through again, we'll go through the cast listing. Now, Tyron Turner played Kane. Yeah, KD Kane Lawson, as it is. KD is what his, his grandparents called him. It was played by Tyron Turner. 
He's the main character in this movie. Lorenz Tate played Kevin O'Dog Anderson. That was Kane's right-hand man, his homeboy. MC8 played AWACS. Clifton Powell played a dude sort of around the neighborhood. I can't necessarily say that was Kane's boy or O'Dog's boy, Chauncey. Jada Pinkett played Ronnie. Ronnie was a homegirl from around the way who had a, a son. Her son was by James Purnell Richards, played by Glenn Plummer, who at that point was in prison and was doing a life sentence. Pooh Man was in there as Doc, Too Short as Luke Loke. Then you had two other characters, Stacy, played by Ryan Williams, and then Sharif, played by Vontae Sweet. And Sharif was O-Dogs and Eight Waxes and Kane's boy, who was kind of a little bit of a knucklehead as a kid, but then turned his life around to just become Muslim. Now, the other important character in this was Mr. Butler, who was Sharif's father, who also was played by none other than Charles S. Dutton of rock fame. And this was right in the point where Charles S. Dutton was really starting to come into a lot of our consciousness because rock was such a big hit on Fox, you know, especially in our community, Jay. Absolutely. You know, um, so there were a lot of other appearances in here. Samuel L. Jackson in a flashback scene played Kane's father, Tat Lawson. Candy Alexander played his mother, Karen. A cast in here that I think fit pretty well together. But we'll go a little bit into some of the things behind the scenes. Now, supposedly, the roles for Kane and Sharif were originally supposed to have gone to Spice One and Tupac, but they were later fired by the Hughes brothers. And they said mostly they were being fired because Tupac was causing a lot of trouble on set. And one of the problems that, that Tupac had was that he was angry is that he wasn't told, supposedly, that Sharif was going to turn Muslim. He said that he didn't like the characterization of Sharif when there are a lot of people who were his contemporaries were sort of similar to the personas that they were as artists. And he was playing somebody that was sort of stoic. That was sort of, I guess this do right. And I don't think he necessarily agreed with that. He ended up getting fired from the set. And, you know, Alan Hughes says is that their take on it was every time he got ready to rehearse, he had an opinion about Sharif. He said he wanted them to put in the script why Sharif turned Muslim. And then he was like, show me why I turned Muslim. Then they wouldn't do it. And that's what angered him. And then basically they had to fire him. And then six months after that, Tupac ends up assaulting Alan Hughes. <laughs> and then he's found guilty of assault and battery. That sort of took a turn. So instead of having Spice One and Tupac play Kane and Sharif, it ended up being Tyron Turner and Vontae Sweet. Now, the role of AWACS was supposed to be played by NWA rapper MC Ren, but he later turned down the role after he joined the Nation of Islam in 1992. So who replaced him? None other than MC8, who played the role of AWACS. And AWACS is a very pivotal character in this movie. MC8 himself also contributing to the soundtrack of Menace to Society. Also, another little known fact, supposedly Eazy-E was supposed to play O-Dog, but was dropped to the cast due to the fact that he was trying to also control the character of O-Dog. So he ended up being replaced by none other than Lorenz Tate. And thinking about it now, Jay, it's kind of hard to think about anybody else other than the characters playing who actually played them, right? Because hmm. that's what we know it to be. But to hear that is just kind of crazy to hear about it afterwards. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of like ties like the whole thing for Boys in the Hood, how like NWA was supposed to play Doughboy's crew. Yeah. You know yeah. So that's like, wow, that, that, that influence like extends over this movie too. I, I was, I wasn't even aware of that one. Yeah. Tell me about it, man. Yeah. It's crazy. So into a little bit of the movie. So here's the, the deal. Kane is coming up. They live in Watts and he's with his boy. O dog. Now in the beginning of the movie, they run into this problem where they go to the liquor store to buy some, buy some beer and, uh, or should I say malt liquor? Excuse me. And so, 
the cashier is there, the famous hurry up and buy type of line where everyone got that. And also the other famous line of, I feel sorry for your mother, you know, which eventually causes O-Dog to go after them and then shoots the cashier and the wife and took the surveillance tape. And then he also takes money out of the clerk's wallet and her cash register and then they run out of there. So that's just crazy how that whole thing started. That's the beginning of the movie. Also, another famous scene near the beginning of the movie is the crackhead scene. The crackhead is trying to get money for them and he wants to sell them cheeseburgers, man. Like, man, I got these cheeseburgers, man. They double cheeseburgers, too. <laughs> With O Dog responding, nigga, I just ate. I don't want no motherfucking cheeseburgers. <laughs> With the crackhead now giving the famous line that has been replayed in Menace to Society <laughs> saying that he would suck his dick. And then O-Dog shoots him and then takes... Clarif- the, well, and he asks for clarification. Yeah, exactly. He asked for <laughs> clarification. The fuck you just <laughs> and then he shot him. And then he took the cheeseburgers and asked his homies rolling with him if they wanted some cheeseburgers. Gangster. That shit. So... So throughout the movie, all these different things happen. O-Dog takes the surveillance tape and brings them to all the friends. And Kane's kind of annoyed by it, like, yo, man, why are you showing everybody the tape? We just, you just murdered somebody on tape, dude. And I was present. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, right? <laughs> so all this stuff is sort of happening. They're also involved in these insurance schemes with Chauncey is involved with trying to get stuff with car insurance schemes and them trying to flip a bag off of that. And that, that was all part of the storyline, the famous scene there with Chauncey, with the white guy coming there to get his insurance, to be, take a part of this insurance scheme. And Chauncey basically telling the motherfucker, you ain't coming around here because you want niggas to steal for you, right, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then there was also one of the bigger parts in this scene is when Kane and his cousin Harold are then carjacked when they're leaving a party and then Harold gets murdered with Kane being shot. And Later on, what O-Dog wants to do with AWAX and Kane is to go find the dudes that carjacked them and then smoke them. And then Kane acts like he's down with it, but then eventually chickens out, which leaves O-Dog and AWAX to basically hunt these dudes down and kill them. So we're full into it right now. We're probably not even halfway through the movie and a few people have already been murdered. So that's... I will say with Kane, though, like, I mean, in that whole thing, Kane didn't actually kill anybody. I mean, I mean, he, I mean he was busting a dude and, like, you know what I'm saying? The builders was hitting him. Yeah, right. But he kept on running, but then AWAC, he got around the corner of AWACS and it was night-night. Night-night, exactly. Dude called, AWACS called up on him, like, come here, homie, I got you, man. I got you. Got his ass. That was a Desert Eagle. So, my yeah, God, ain't exactly. Nobody, he ain't walking away from that one. Yeah. So, through all this is happening, Sharif and Stacy decide that they're going to go to Kansas to get away from Watts and get away from L.A. and Cali and that they're going to leave. And so, throughout all this, Kane is sort of being bombarded from his grandfather and from Sharif's father that he needs to change his way. He's going to end up dead or in prison. But Kane keeps on fucking up. What happens? Kane gets a full Mustang from the chop shop. What does he do? He robs dude at the drive through for his Dayton's. You know what I'm saying? For those fresh ass Dayton's and his jewelry. Then why he got him in the drive through What does he do? Tell the nigga to order two what double burgers with cheese. With cheese. <laughs> <laughs> then he buys some Coke and then cooks it up as crack and he wants to sell it. So it's like Kane is going deeper into this shit despite all the warning signs that confronted with and then what happens then Kane meets Elena and then he mess around with Elena him and Elena smash and throughout all this Ronnie's kind of always present because Kane 
was Pernell's boy. And Pernell was somebody who looked after him sort of like a big brother and everything. And so he was sort of looking after Ronnie because that was his lady when he was out. But Ronnie's kind of always there, always wanting to look after Kane, always looking to give him advice, always trying to make sure that he's not there out there and in trouble. So all these things are sort of floating around the atmosphere. So after this, there's another scene in there, another famous one where Kane and Sharif were out driving and the police stopped them. And then the police basically them getting beat up and then them putting them in the in a, the the SA neighborhood, the Hispanic neighborhood, Latino neighborhood, and thinking that they were gonna put them there, they're gonna beat them up, but instead they didn't, they took them to the hospital. So yeah, I had a big sigh of relief when they say that. And yeah, like, yeah, God. exactly. Because, you know, back then around that time, the way it was in the daggone Latino neighborhoods and black neighborhoods in certain parts of L.A. Oh, nah, <laughs> it wasn't having it. Exactly. Through all this stuff and everything's happening. Then Ronnie has this idea. She's getting ready to move to Atlanta. Ronnie, Ronnie has a job. She's found a job. She's going to be going to Atlanta. And she tells Kane that she wants him to move with her to Atlanta and Kane's like he don't want to leave Watts he don't want to do everything and then Ronnie comes on to him and then basically Kane being conflicted like this is Pernell's girl oh nah I ain't messing around with this but no eventually Ronnie overcomes him they basically smash that night she tells him to think about moving to Atlanta with her and then he goes out and he's later on him O-Dog and Stacy are all sitting there playing cards or dominoes and Chauncey's dumbass comes in there drunk trying to mess with Ronnie. So then what happens? Kane, who sees her, doesn't really like Chauncey anyway, gets up and basically starts pistol whipping Chauncey and beating the shit out of him. And Stacy and Sharif basically pick him up and get him off of Chauncey. So then Elena calls Kane later on that night to tell him that she's pregnant. And Kane Court says, man, you tripping. I ain't get you pregnant. Shit ain't mine. I have my Jimmy on extra tight. You know? <laughs> Which obviously leaves her distraught. But then <clears throat> Chauncey, who gets mad because Kane whooped his ass, says that he's going to get a copy of the surveillance tape. He's going to send him to the police, who eventually now are looking for Kane and O-Dog because they're wanted for the liquor store murders. So then Doc tells Kane and O-Dog what Chauncey did. And O-Dog saying, basically, he going he gonna to smoke Chance Chauncey whenever he gets a chance that the police don't catch up to him first. Mm -hmm. So then Kane is outside of his apartment. And then Elena's cousin comes to confront him about the fact that he got her pregnant and isn't trying to claim the baby. So then what happened is that Kane beats his ass and then stomps him out in front of his grandfather's house. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point, Kane's grandfather calls him inside and tells him, that he has to leave, that he, they've had enough of him, that basically he's bad, there isn't any redeeming him, they can't help him any longer, and he just says, I'm waiting to tell y'all, but I'm planning on going to Atlanta with Ronnie, and I'm moving away. His grandmother famously says in the movie, Kane, I hope you're not going to go there to mess that girl's life up. <laughs> and you know, as bad as you may want to feel for Kane in the moment, you got to kind of feel what his grandparents is dealing with because Kane true. has been a fuck up this entire movie. Very true. Like. <laughs> so Kane and Ronnie are getting ready to leave for Atlanta. They're packing up, moving stuff into the car and into the U-Haul. And so Stacy's there, Sharif is there, and O-Dog is there reluctantly because he doesn't like the idea that Kane is leaving Watts and leaving him and leaving the neighborhood and calls his ass a sellout. So as they're getting ready to move out, and Anthony, who is Ronnie's son and Purnell's son, is out riding his big wheel. And unbeknownst to them, as they're getting ready to move, 
Elena's cousin who got stomped out by Kane is riding with the homies over to their house to go do a drive-by. And as they're bringing stuff out to the house and as Anthony is out front, they roll up and they start firing and firing away they did. Sharif got caught in the line of fire and he dies. Kane gets caught trying to protect Anthony and then he gets caught in the line of fire sitting there dying on the pavement and eventually picked up by Ronnie and Stacy trying to tell O-Dog to get some help. And after O-Dog tries to bust on the dudes that was driving, he's basically sitting there and there in shock. And as Kane is sitting there dying, voiceover said that he remember when his grandfather asked him in that scene, when he was talking to him and O-Dog, did he care whether he lived or died? And he told his grandfather, I don't know. And he said, at this point, he realized he does care whether he lives or die, but it's too late. And that's how the movie ended. That's how the movie ended. Really crazy movie. Lots of other nuances and stuff like that. Lines in there that I left out. But I wanted to sort of talk with you, Jay, man. Talk about a couple of a few of your favorite scenes. And then also sort of a, a couple of the quotes or whatever that you remember the most from this movie. I mean, of course, I know we already covered like the whole liquor store scene. Actually, I would say it was doing the flashback. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when um, Tat shot dude, you know what I'm saying? They owe money or whatever. Money too, yeah. I was actually watching the scene a little bit earlier, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, one thing I know some people might have had an issue with, like, how many times a dude got shot, even though he had a revolver. Mm-hmm, right. It was, like, it was yeah. actually eight shots, but I'm like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I was like, wait a minute, they actually do make eight shot revolvers. Revolvers, so, I mean, right. Sense. And I was back in the day, too, so, right. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, and then, like, of course, the whole scene out there, oh, I think we forgot to mention AJ Johnson had a cameo in there, too. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Point. So, like, all his boys were tripping out, like, Tap, Tap, what the fuck, man? And he's like, Man, what you doing? He's like, He said, AJ, you owe me some money, motherfucker. He's like, Hell no, nah, but here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my man's back in the day was laughing like shit. Yeah. Mean, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Whereas yours. Yeah, man. Ain't, ain't worth it. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, the whole Watts 93, like, skyline shot going up to the high school was, like, sort of Watts Towers. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Quinn about this all the time. Like, some, I was actually there. Like, I actually did go to visit the Watts Towers when I was out in LA some wow. years ago. Yeah. Magnificent journey. I definitely recommend anybody is out there go take a look at their artwork. And I guess like the fact like every time like you know what I'm saying like they would call was old was up there watching the goddamn liquor store tape. Mm-hmm. Like, right. What the hell y'all doing, man? What the fuck like, is wrong with you, dog? Like, like you want to take that saying? tape and burn it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, shoot, I mean, that's 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 before like going viral and world star and all that shit. All man. that all shit. It was we was we was still on VHS back then. You could just took that shit, threw it in the well, not the LA River because that's like a damn stream of water. But that's another conversation, um, right? Like, uh, or at least onto the pier or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, try to think what other scenes. Oh, when um Kane got arrested and Bill Duke was questioning him. Oh yeah, you know you don't fucked like, up, right? You fucked up, right? <laughs> <'Cause I> was, <laughs> And it was funny, man, because like, I remember watching that scene with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. This is after I had seen it a couple times. Of course, I was like really into the movie by then. But like, I mean, not that I was out there wild and like that. But he was like, you ever get in trouble? Don't say nothing without a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He was definitely in there by himself. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, it was that scene. Of course, the whole thing with the double cheeseburgers. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> 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 he was selling them drinks. Like, he was like, he was like really... Like I said, the hardest working folks out here. Down, so that, that down, kind of a test that. down bad. Goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn, of course, the whole thing him getting stomped, like Kane's cousin getting stomped out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess the fact he had finally hooked up with Ronnie and all like that I was like, nah, should he do it or shouldn't he? Yeah. Because I, mean, I think like the I think like the signs were there, like, you know what I'm saying? It was definitely an attraction brewing between the two of them. Oh, definitely. 100%. And, you know what I'm saying? And Purnell wasn't getting out. I mean, like, he there. He in prison for the rest of his life. You know what I'm saying? Right. He ain't getting out. <laughs> and then and then pretty much like the fact Purnell was like he more or less gave his blessing and mm-hmm. he saw what it was. It was like, Yeah, I'd rather be with you than some other somebody else he don't know and don't trust. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was what it was in that situation. 
Lynch and then Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I guess like before when it got revenge with um for Harold, like mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The fact, like, again, they was watching that tape, but then Tusha came in and held a shot at the old dog, which is like, it, he was like in a trance about it. Mm-hmm. And they tried to point it to the walls, and they all jumped up, like, what the fuck you doing? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> that went no punk ass shit. That's just common shit, sense. Shit, like, no common sense. Gonna be slow. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So, for me, a lot of the scenes that I remember, but I think one of the, one of the ones... I think I remember the most is a couple of scenes that were serious. One, it was when Kane is sitting there with his grandmother and grandfather watching TV and an old dog pulls up, comes mm-hmm. up to the door and it was like, yo, you about to come outside. And then Kane's grandfather calls him inside and then talks to him and says, you know, y'all out here acting up. Y'all trouble y'all been getting into. Y'all got to stop that. Like, you know, Lord, they put y'all on the earth to be doing stuff like that. He said, it's right there in the Bible, Exodus, whatever, whatever. He said, thou shall not kill. Cain said to his grandfather, Grandpa, I can't never kill nobody. He was like, oh, I doubt, Don't that. doubt that. He said, and I heard stories about you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and then old dog kind of just sits, passes by, just sits there and says, like, you know, like, I don't think God really cares about us, man. I mean, look where we at. He's like, you know, we out here. You know, stuff out here all kind of fu- and then he said all kind of messed up. He's like, you know, why would he do that if we if, if he he cared about us? And then as they're leaving, then that, that line that King says at the end of the movie where his grandfather says, KD, he said, Do you care whether you live or die? And he just sat there and looked at him and he just said, I don't know. And just walked away, you know? Hmm. Which is crazy because that should be a pretty easy like, question to answer. Yes. You okay. know, do you care whether you live or die? Yes. Well, my worst day is like, yes, I do. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent, you know. And then another one was when Sharif and Kane went to go visit his father. Charles Dunn's character, Mr. Butler, gives that speech where he says, back in the day, Sharif used to get in all types of stuff. And, you know, hey, but then he found Islam and he said, listen, I always didn't necessarily agree with all the stuff that Islam said and all the stuff he does. He said, but if Allah can make him a better man than Jesus Jesus, ever could, then I'm all for it. And he sat there and said, like, you know, being a black man in America isn't easy. You got to fight every day to survive. He's like, the hunt is on and you're the prey. prey. <laughs> said, all I'm saying is, look, all I'm saying is survive. That always kind of stuck with me. Another scene, <laughs> the scenes that are unintentionally funny to me at times is one scene when they were on the car getting ready to go run up on dudes who, who smoked Harold. And Odal's basically saying like, yo, we're going to run up on these fools. We go get them, man. And, Kane's like, man, I'm I'm cool, man. Just make sure I ain't doing no old people and no kids and nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I or oh, do nothing like that. And he was just like, man, he's like eleven o'clock oh, at night, man. Ain't no, get that whole thing. Ain't no little kids out there, man. The hell that you talking about? He's like, yo, man, I'm just saying, I ain't gonna be out there trying to do no no little kids and nothing. I ain't messing with that, man. And old dog famously comes out, says, man, you know, you acting like a little, a little bitch, bitch right bitch now. Right, you acting real, real paranoid, paranoid and shit. shit. He said, now these motherfuckers done rolled <laughs> up on wrong. you and your cousin. goddamn cousin and smoked them. Smoked them right there in front of you, nigga. And you, you ain't, ain't gonna, gonna do, do shit. shit. You acting like a little bitch <laughs> right bitch now, right nigga. Now. I ain't gonna let that <laughs> shit ride. And you don't need to let it ride either. We gonna get these motherfuckers. We gonna smoke them. Is you down, nigga? Are you down, nigga? And then AWAC said, man, both of y'all niggas shut the fuck up. Yeah, both out here acting like some motherfucking bitches. Scared to peel these motherfuckers' caps back. Give me back my motherfucking blunt, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like one of the most like empowering like gang shooting speeches I've ever heard. Yes. <laughs> it's like, like, look, man, you acting like a bitch right there, dog. These niggas smoked your cousin right in front of you. You ain't gonna sit there and do nothing, nigga. Fuck all that. You was acting like he was with it. Now you acting scared. Fuck no. So another one that I think is probably one of the most unintentionally funny scenes in this movie was the barbecue scene where Kane rolls up where after he meets Elena and he rolls up and Goes up to AWACS figuring what's going on. Stacy and was like, yo, man, what's going on? We're putting this shit together. He's like, I don't know, man, but shit, we just trying to, we trying to eat. So they all sitting down there playing dominoes, smoking and drinking and shit. And then Mr. Butler rolls up and they're like, oh, Mr. Butler, what's going on, man? He's like, yo, man. Sharif was like, I was sitting here trying to tell these dudes about how, man, this drugs and alcohol is poisoning our community. Now, I almost outnumbered, so I just want to know what your opinion is. And he's like, man, well, you know, I see Kevin over there trying to hide that reefer. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I used to smoke a little reefer back in my day anyway, man. It's okay. <laughs> and then old dog told Keisha to make Mr. Butler a plate. And he's sitting there like a nice size plate, Keisha. I want a nice size plate. And he's sitting there talking. And he's just like, you know, man, Sharif sitting there, man, he always on us, Mr. Butler, man. What y'all be talking about at home, man? And he just sat there. He said, I don't know. This girl taking the longest time with his plate, though. <laughs> oh, dog was like, Keisha, hurry your ass up. Bring the motherfucking plate. plate. Bring the motherfucking like, plate. <laughs> it's a clip out there on YouTube. And somebody said, they made a comment like four or five years ago, said it's 2019 and Keisha still ain't brought that damn plate. Oh, snap. I got to see that drink. <laughs> Oh man, another unintentionally funny ass part. Well, this wasn't an unintentionally funny. This was funny. This was when uh, Homeboy was with Chauncey and he was watching the boxing match. He was like, damn, look at this. He knocked his ass out. Just like Kane knocked your ass out last night, nigga. (laughs) Call my fat pudgy motherfucker. Pudgy motherfucker. (laughs) He said, man, Chauncey, like, man, fuck Kane. (laughs) I don't have no goddamn Kane. Kane. Pudgy oh, oh man <laughs> and it's funny because like i don't know if you remember this um you might remember like it was a rapper called pudgy the fat bastard mm-hmm. yeah like, every time i heard that name i thought about that scene. thought about that scene <laughs> exactly and and then questions that i have even 30 years later right i still don't know <laughs> what the hell years afterwards like what the fuck was gonna happen hmm. so now ronnie asked kane to go to atlanta with her right Mm-hmm. Now, Ronnie got a job. She's going to be working in Atlanta. What the fuck Kane was supposed to be doing? Mm. Good question. <laughs> like, yeah, he going to be playing daddy know. daycare and watching Anthony all goddamn day? Because yeah, that's how he'd have been in school, so. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was like, what the fuck was Kane supposed to do all goddamn day? Nigga ain't had no work history. All the goddamn trouble he done been in. See, he like he was finishing high school. No, I'm saying he, he just got to high school. Yeah, so yeah. no work history. Yeah, no work history. Motherfucker always been in trouble. And like, what skills did a nigga really have to be able to do anything with you? Just sitting at home and shit. So I'm just like, that kind of always stabbed me. Like, yo, Ronnie's supposed to be moving to Atlanta for this job. Like, what the fuck was Kane supposed to do when they got to Atlanta anyway? <laughs> Inquiring minds. We still want to know. Then my thing is like this, right? Kane robbed the nigga for his datings and his right. jewelry. How the fuck did the nigga get home? <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, nah, even, even, even before that, how you get the Dayton's though? Exactly. How the fuck like, did he get the Dayton's? Did he make him go to the chop shop? He make him go like, hey, car, he like, probably had to take that nigga to the chop shop. Like, yo, man, after you get your ass out this drive through, drive here, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, how the fuck did one, he get the goddamn Dayton's and how the fuck did the dude get home? <laughs> 
I mean, it ain't like all they you, stole from a store. They was, they was on the vehicle, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. All we know is that Kane was rolling in a Mustang with the damn Dayton's on him. And that was it. <laughs> when, he hollered, when he hollered at Elena, that was it. That's all the hell we know. Kane gets the goddamn coat and was supposed to be selling this shit. I don't know if I remember this shit during the movie. Did we actually ever see Kane selling crack? I mean, it was at one time, like in the beginning. I mean, I don't know if you, he might have been, it might have, he like sold shit to somebody. Like, yeah. I'm talking about, he, yeah, when he read up. Remember when he read up with Lou Loke and he got that coat and he started cooking the shit up? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Saying the one thing his father taught him was how to make drugs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is at one, but yeah, I mean, yeah, aside from that, yeah. So I don't know, just some shit. The questions and shit that I had, man, it was just crazy. And then it's I don't know, but the biggest one that I have though was what the fuck was Kane supposed to do when he got to Atlanta in the first place? <laughs> questions, man. But yeah, Man is a Society, really, man, just a really classic hood movie, a movie that I even was talking to Damo about it, and Damo was supposed to join us, but you know, I said, shoot, we talk about hood movies of that era. You got to kind of put that almost like one B behind Boys in the Hood. You know what I'm saying? And oh, especially with importance wise, as far as it's concerned, that just the, how raw it was and a movie, like I said, 30 years later, we can quote from it and to see where some of the people who have where they've gone since then and the movie things they've acted in since then. It's just crazy how it just, the people we talk about that have been in that movie and how long their film careers and TV careers have been since then, man. So really classic cult classic movie, a really great hood movie. And then the soundtrack, which we'll talk about very, very briefly, a soundtrack that I think was kind of an underrated soundtrack. When you talk about like the best ones, the nineties, a lot of people talk about the above the rims, you know, mm-hmm. the juices, the Panther soundtracks, the New Jersey drive soundtracks, the dead president soundtracks, and this one, you know, obviously had some hits on it. The biggest one that we know is, of course, the Straight Up Menace by MC8, right. a classic, you know. But you know the funny thing with that is, they really didn't get radio play back then. It didn't, but like, but that, it was like it was after the soundtrack for the summer of '93. Absolutely, like, everybody was playing that during. Oh yeah, absolutely, yes, <clears throat> yeah. And a lot of people on this soundtrack, uh, other than MC8, Too Short was on this. Lynch Mob, Brand Nubian, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, High Five, GK. Shuguchi K, exactly. Uh, DJ Quick, of course, another one of the singles on there that was Nigga Got to No Heart, a.k.a. That Trigger Got to No Heart by Spice One. Yes, exactly. Spice One is supposed to be in the movie, but made a contribution here on one of the biggest sounds on the soundtrack. Aunt Banks as well. So there are a lot of people on this soundtrack. And producers on here, EA Ski, Dangerous Crew, Dwayne Wiggins, QD3, who actually did the mu- music for the movie produced the gorillas and gangster by the lynch mob um chris stokes pete rock dj premier guru dj quick so a lot of people producing on this but there were some good tracks on here man obviously you know there was you know the death becomes you unconditional love by high five which was the the r&b joint on there as well p is still free there's the pocket full of stones by ugk yeah yeah pockets full of stones by ugk just classic joints but straight up menace though probably one of the biggest ones on there and really kind of got us amped up to hear that we come strapped by mc8 the next year you know what i'm saying that came out so you know definitely a, a, a soundtrack that I would say was 
underrated in the bigger scream of hip hop soundtrack, but it's you right. This is probably the biggest soundtrack of that summer of 93 that and poetic justice, you know, would have to be the two, you know what I mean? That had to, that made the big splashes that summer of 93, great soundtrack, great movie, menace society, 30 years later, we love to hear what y'all got to say about it. Hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube. What was your favorite parts of this movie? Some of your favorite quotables and famous scenes hit us up also about the soundtrack as well. Your favorite song, on there let us know what you think about it minutes of society 30 years later go check it out watch it out sometime and also hit us up with your thoughts on social media we'd love to continue the conversation and that is going to wrap up yet another edition of the vault please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com that's vaultclassicpod.com there you can learn more about the show check out our past episodes join our mailing list leave a review or if so inclined you can leave us a voice note Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate. Because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.